Welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk, and excited to welcome you to uh, to this this sermon uh, from our pastor Steve Hogg. We're continuing a two part series entitled "Life Lessons from Flawed Leaders." You know, you can learn a lot from other people. We learn a lot from ourselves and the things that we experience, but it's really beneficial to learn from others. Uh, oftentimes, we can learn from people's successes. But we can also learn from people's failures and their flaws. And so today we're going to take a look at Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel and definitely a flawed leader. So we're going to open up to 1 Kings chapter 9. And pastor's going to come and lead us through in a better understanding of, of what we can gain from Saul's experience as king. So let's pray together. And when we finish, grab your copy of God's Word and a notepad and settle in. And we'll get ready to grow in our understanding of what God has for us through this flawed leader. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today, for uh, for the Word of God, for the characters of Scripture that we get to uh, learn from, from back in history that we can, can see things that we can use today that we can learn from and apply to our own lives, uh, that even in this case where we're looking at uh, King Saul and his flaws as a leader, that we can definitely improve our leadership qualities uh, by understanding where, where his shortcomings were. So help us see that today. Help us grow in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going to talk about learning valuable life lessons from flawed leaders. Now, personally, I prefer to learn from people who are successful, people who do well. I think you learn more from people who do things right and do things well than those who don't. But we can learn from our mistakes. And we can learn from the mistakes and the failures of others. And all of us are aware of important people, leaders in our culture who have serious flaws that eventually do them in. And in the Bible, the same thing is true. So I want us to look today at the life of King Saul in the Old Testament. Go ahead and open your Bible with me, please, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9. And we're going to look at Saul's flaws that undid him as the first king of Israel and ask the question, what can we learn so that we do better? What can we learn so that we live life victoriously and don't make the mistakes he made? Now, Saul was the very first king of Israel. He was not a man who sought leadership. He was even reluctant. In a sense, you could say it was thrust upon him. Because God chose Saul to be the first king of Israel. And he had skills. He had abilities. And then God empowered him and was with him. And he had great potential. But his flaws got the better of him. And he wasted that potential and eventually lost the kingdom. And God raised up David to take his place. Well, what can we learn from his story? We first meet Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9 in verses 1 and 2. So if you have your Bible, read with me. It says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. This is Saul's father, and it goes on to tell who he was. Now in verse 2, he talks about Saul. Kish, he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was there was not a more handsome person than he, than Saul, among the sons of Israel. And from his shoulders and up, he was taller 
than any of the people. He was a head taller than anyone else. So here is Saul, who's very impressive personally when you meet him. He's choice. He's good. He's handsome. He's tall. He's impressive. He's charismatic, you could say. And, and people were attracted to him. And he, he got off to a good start as the king of Israel and led the nation to some military victory against the Philistines and others. And he was becoming very, very popular as their king. If you turn to the 14th chapter, near the end of that chapter in verses 47 and 48, we read this. Now, when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, so he's king now, he fought against all his enemies on every side, north, south, east, everywhere, against Moab, the Ammonites, the Edomites, on and on and go, it goes, and, and he inflicted punishment. Verse 48, he acted valiantly and defeated the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. And so those two verses summarize his effectiveness as a military leader for the nation of Israel. And, and the people had asked for a king in part because they wanted national security. They were tired of the surrounding nations uh, pillaging their, their, their possessions of attacking them and they wanted security. And so they wanted a king and Saul gave them what they want, military strength and military and national security. And he was becoming very popular. But his flaws that would eventually undo him began showing up very early in his reign, in his rule. And if, if King Saul had one big flaw, one big problem, I would describe it this way. He was a very insecure man. His flaw was insecurity. And we get a glimpse of it very early on. In 1 Samuel 10, Samuel calls the nation together so they could anoint Saul as king. Think of it, his inauguration day. So they're going to anoint him as king. And, and it's time for him to be anointed. And they can't find Saul. In fact, he's hiding. And they have to go get him and bring him out so they can anoint him king. And that, and that one little incident in the very beginning just, just gives us a clue about the insecurity this man had, even though he was very skilled and talented, even though God had called him and God had empowered him, his insecurity was going to be a flaw that he would battle the rest of his life and eventually it would destroy him. Now, I know that some of you listening right now are insecure. I get that. Many of us are, and, and, and the truth is all of us are at times and in certain areas of life. But the truth is we have to either grow out of it, grow beyond it, or we have to learn how to manage it. Because if we don't, it will get the better of us. Several years ago, I read a little book called Soaring With Your Strengths. And the premise of that book is that we succeed in leadership, in life, in business, whatever, by focusing on our strengths, not our weaknesses. Not spending all of our time trying to turn a weakness into a strength, but instead focusing on our strengths. But there's a caveat. You cannot ignore your weakness. You must learn to manage it 
so that it doesn't defeat you. Not so much turning it into a strength, but managing it in a way that it does not get the better of you. And Saul never learned to do that. He allowed his flaw, his weakness, his insecurity to get the better of him. And, and as you read his story in these chapters in 1 Samuel, you discover that his insecurity continue, continually negatively affecting his relationship with God and his relationships with other people. Now, I want us to look just briefly. How did his insecurity negatively impact his relationship with God? Now, I want to summarize it these two ways. One, he was never able to fully trust God. And then secondly, because of his insecurity, he was selective. He was selective in his obedience to God, at times disobeying God in what seemed like small ways, but critical ways that would undo him in the end. Let me give you two examples. So look in chapter 13 in your Bible of 1 Samuel, please. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 13. Samuel is a prophet, and he had told Saul when he anointed him as king to go to a town in Israel named Gilgal and wait there seven days, and at the end of those seven days, Samuel the prophet would come to him, and when Samuel got there, he would lead a public worship service and offer sacrifices on behalf of the king and, and the nation to God, and then through Samuel, the prophet, God would tell Saul what he was to do next. When you read the story, King Saul obeyed Samuel and went to Gilgal, and, and he's waiting there, and a large crowd gathers, but the air, the atmosphere is tense because the Philistines are organizing their army to attack the nation. They're preparing for war, and it's day seven. It's day seven, and Samuel's not there yet, and, and the day is getting late, and Samuel hasn't shown up yet, and everybody is getting antsy and nervous. And notice what Saul does in response to that in chapter 13, starting at verse 8. It says, Now he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel the prophet. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. I mean, it was late in the seventh day. Samuel had not shown up yet. And the people were scattering from him. So some of the people were getting antsy and leaving. In verse 9, Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. I mean, the seventh day was not over. It was just late. But he didn't have the patience to wait the full seven days. And so as the king, he offered the sacrifices that the prophet slash priest were supposed to offer. He didn't think anything about it. And at the end of verse 10, Saul then goes out to meet Samuel. And in verse 11, Samuel said to him, what have you done? What have you done by offering the sacrifice when you're not supposed to do that? And Saul said to him in verse 11, because I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within, within the appointed days. I mean, it was still the seventh day. He just not gotten there early in that day. 
and that the Philistines were assembling for war. Verse 12, therefore I said, Saul, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I have not, I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. I took it upon myself to do what I had not been instructed to do. I took it upon myself to do what you were supposed to do because, hey, I had to fix the problem. Verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. In other words, you did not obey God by waiting the full seven days. You did not obey God by waiting for Samuel to make the sacrifice. He said, if you had... At the end of verse 13, God would have established your kingdom forever. Your descendants would have ruled Israel in verse 14. But, but, now your kingdom shall not endure. And the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart and appointed him to be ruler over his people. Saul, your children will not be king. God is going to raise up someone else. Now, when, when you read that story, and there's others, Samuel, I mean, Saul, King Saul, seemed to always be affected by what other people were doing, by the reactions of others, by whether or not they were standing with him, whether or not he was popular, whether or not he could keep them with him, whether or not they were praising him. His, his insecurity seemed to always affect his decision. And, and, and circumstances and people's reactions seem to always cause him to do something just a little bit wrong and not fully trust God and not fully obey God. And this story is just one example of that. It's as though his thoughts were not centered on God and what God had commanded and what God wanted and what God expected. His thoughts continually went to, well, the people are doing this, and therefore that means they feel this way about me. And his insecurity kept getting the better of him. Too concerned about his status, too concerned about his popularity, too concerned about what people were doing and what that said about him and about his position. One more example. One more example of how his insecurity got the better of him in his relationship with God. In chapter 15, in chapter 15 of Samuel, um, there's a battle with the uh, Amalekites. And, and, and God, through the prophet Samuel, tells Saul, when you all fight the Amalekites, you are to totally destroy them. And you are to not keep any of the livestock or any of their possessions as the spoils of war. You are to keep nothing. And so Saul leads the Israeli army into battle and they win a great victory. And they capture the king of the Amalekites, but rather than executing him as they had been commanded by the Lord, Saul allowed the king to live. And he and the people kept the best of the spoils of war in violation of what God had told them to do. And so Samuel the prophet shows up, he confronts Saul, and Saul argues with him and said, I did obey. Well, he did for the most part. 
But in just a little bit, little way, he did not because he, he, he let the king live and he wasn't supposed to. And they kept just the best of the spoils. They, they didn't keep any of the rest of it, the mo- most, most of it, but they kept the best. And so in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 21, the Bible says the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen and the choicest of the things devoted to destruction that were supposed to destroy and not keep. To sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. This is what Saul is arguing to Samuel. And Samuel said to him in verse 32, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed, to listen to and obey what God says is better than the fat of rams. Okay, Saul, your excuse is you kept just the best so you could give it as a sacrifice to God. But God had told you don't keep any of it. And you you have your ways of justifying, disobeying just in a little way. Just in a little way. And we we find out that the reason, again, for this small disobedience was his insecurity. Look at verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. He finally owns up to it. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words. Now, why? Because I feared the people and listened to their voice. The people were saying, why can't we keep some of this stuff? And rather than being a leader and doing what was right and doing what God had obeyed, he wanted their favor. He wanted them to like him. He wanted their applause. He wanted their approval. And that insecurity got the better of him. Disobeying God. Not not big. I mean, he he destroyed all the army. He just let the king live. He didn't keep any of the spoils except the very best. It's just a small disobedience. But you see... A lack of integrity in small things matters. Disobeying God in little ways because you want someone to like you. You want to protect your position. You want to protect your status. You want to hold on to your power. And it moves you. That insecurity motivates you to disobey God even in a little way. Will always cost you. And the result of this, Saul lost his kingdom. Now, real quickly. There's some lessons for us from all of this. One is a good start does not guarantee a good finish. See, Saul got off to a good start, united the nation, led them in military victories and national security. But his rule ended horribly in military defeat and death. Abandoned by God, pushing everybody out of his life, a good start does not guarantee a good finish. And sometimes God will give someone a great opportunity, put them in a great position, give them great people in their lives, but their insecurity causes them to do little things over the years that eventually rob them of all that. A good start does not guarantee a good finish. In verse <clears throat> Excuse me, in verse 35 of chapter 15, Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. A good start does not guarantee a good finish. Lesson number two, 
Selective disobedience. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Selective obedience. Selective obedience is still disobedience. You see, Saul obeyed God for the most part. But his insecurity caused him to not obey God occasionally in those little things that really turned out to be big things. He he partially obeyed. He selectively obeyed. And selective obedience is still disobedience. We need to obey God no matter how it makes us look in the eyes of others. Lesson number three. Insecurity can be destructive on so many levels in so many ways. With Saul, his insecurity caused him to sacrifice his integrity, to sacrifice obeying God in small ways, in little ways, to gain the approval of others, to maintain his status and position and power, to to gain the praise and adoration of others, to to have the support of others. And, And so he would knowingly disobey God in little ways, do things he shouldn't do in little ways, do things that were wrong in little ways, because he saw that as a way to manipulate others to still like him and praise him and support him. And it it was all because of his insecurity that, that made it difficult for him to fully trust God and fully obey God. And so one of the ways that insecurity can be destructive is that it causes us to sacrifice potential and position, and integrity, and obedience, and godliness, and little ways for the sake of controlling and maintaining what we want to have. A second way insecurity is destructive is that it can cause you to struggle to trust people. It can cause you to Question people's motives over the very least of behaviors. An example that we don't have time to read about in the text this morning is Saul's relationship with David. Go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 18. We'll look at it just a little bit. You'll remember David, as a young guy, kills Goliath. And and Saul is so impressed that he makes David a leader, one of the leaders in his military and David would lead part of the army to many military victories in the days to come and 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 add to the security of the nation. He was a good soldier for King Saul. And David is becoming popular with the people. It doesn't mean Saul is losing popularity, but it means David is also becoming popular. And after he kills Goliath and leads the army into these military victories in chapter 18, Verses 6 and 9, notice this. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistines, one of those military excursions, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. 
They were not abandoning Saul. They wanted to see their king. They had tambourines and there was joy and musical instruments. And in verse 7, they were singing. The women sang as they played and said, Saul is slain as thousands and David is ten thousands. They didn't put Saul down. They weren't turning their back on Saul. They weren't abandoning him, but they were also praising David and giving him credit for the great things he had done. But David's increasing popularity and the fact that the people were attributing to him more than they were attributing to Saul, his insecurity couldn't let him handle that. So in verse 8, Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. I need to have more attention. I need more credit. I need more praise. Verse 9, Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. David had done nothing against Saul, nothing wrong. He had served Saul faithfully and served Saul well and done a great job and was receiving the popularity and praise he deserved. But Saul's insecurity could not handle that because he thought in his mind it reflected poorly on him. And so as you read these stories, King Saul orders his men, his army, if you will, to execute, to kill David. And David spends the next several years running and hiding. Saul is consumed with David and his desire to kill him. And and he spends time chasing David all around the country. And this, this... This insecurity and this jealousy and this attitude stays with Saul the rest of his life until he eventually dies in battle. And one of the things that's tragic is David could have been a great asset to King Saul, a great help. But Saul's insecurity and jealousy could not allow him to see past his own emotions and his own insecurity. David was good to Saul, never betrayed him, never harmed him, never did him wrong, even though he had opportunities to do that. He tried to help Saul, but Saul could never deal with his own issues. And so he pushed David away and he pushed other people away because he couldn't trust people. He couldn't deal with his own insecurity. Saul, as king, ended up wasting years of his, of his rule chasing David, wasting resources in that pursuit, wasting time, distracted from doing his job as king, wasting the potential that was his. Now, as I wrap this up, let me apply this to you and me, apply this to us. How do we deal with our insecurity? As I said moments ago, all of us have a little bit of it. All of us have it at certain moments in life. But some of us, maybe you, have a lot of insecurity and it drives you. That insecurity, as much as you hate it, drives how you deal with circumstances, how you make decisions, how you deal with people, how you think and how you feel. How do we, how do we deal with our insecurity? 
How do we manage it so that it doesn't defeat us? How do we overcome it? Let me suggest some things. That we train ourselves, listen, train ourselves to care more about God's approval than people's praise. That we train ourselves to care more about totally obeying God and having God's approval, even in the little ways, than we spend time worrying about the opinions of others, what they think of us, and and what that says about our status and our worth. That, That we get our worth out of our relationship with Jesus Christ and our desire to please him And we stop looking at ourselves in the mirror so much and wondering what all of this says about us. Do people like me? Do people think I'm doing a great job? That we focus on doing what is right and doing it with excellence and simply trusting and obeying and loving God. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we learn that we train ourselves to, to grow in faith and trust God more and more and more. And in the process, stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to control everyone so that everything is the way you want it. Because it makes you feel good, because of what it says about you, because of how it reflects on you, that we train ourselves to to trust God more and stop trying to control. Because when we try to control, like Saul did with keeping everybody on his side, when we try to control, we end up compromising ourselves, our integrity, and our obedience in little ways that eventually catch up with us. Number three, that we we recognize that confidence and humility work together hand in hand to live successfully. That a person needs to be and can be both confident and humble. King Saul, chosen by God, given a great opportunity. And he was effective as a military leader. There was good that he did. But what if, what if King Saul had had enough humility to be okay with David's popularity, to be okay with David being more popular than himself and David being given more credit than him, realizing that in in that he actually looked good. What David did did not make Saul look bad. It made him look good. But Saul couldn't deal with David being more popular. His insecurity got the better of him. What if if he had learned how to be okay with him not being the one that gets all the credit, being the center of the tension? What if Saul had learned how to focus on God's call in his life and obeying God more and more, and he had spent less time worrying about his self-image and his status and his power. What if you and I learn how to grow in our love for Jesus, spending time in his word, engaging his word so we can encounter him and grow in love for him, and we spend more time focused on Jesus and less time thinking about 
ourselves, how we look and how we feel. It might just change everything in our lives. I think Saul teaches us a valuable lesson about life. That insecurity will undo us if we don't learn to focus on Jesus, love him more, trust him more, and quit thinking about ourselves and how we feel all the time. What does this mean for you? What do you need to do? Get on your knees right now and talk to the Lord about it. God bless you. I'll see you next time.